you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. everybody it's thursday february 29th 2024 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we're not planning to throw either it's me your man mg marcus grant joined by michael f florio and laquan jones happy leap day fellas uh do you guys have any plans you get get one extra 24 hour period uh this year do you have anything special you plan to do with it Nope. That sounds like a no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I forgot it happened. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I was just like, I, I didn't even think about it. So I, I was, I was driving this morning. I, I went to go drop my kid off at school and I'm driving home and I'm like listening to the radio and like, they're talking about like, oh yeah, a lot of people are getting married today. Like the county courthouse is going to be full of people getting married because it's fun <laughs> to get married. I was like, one, I never really thought about that, but also like, People actually planned something for today. Like, I was just like, it's just Thursday in my world. (laughs) I was ready to, like, pay the bills, you know, first of the month. And I was like, oh, we get a a day off for that. Yeah, rent's due. That's pretty much, uh, you know, that's kind of it. Like, I'm going to do this show and then, I don't know, maybe work out. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do today. (laughs) Uh, No idea. Uh, Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking. Obviously, the Combine is going on now in Indianapolis. Ooh. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm sitting here and, and we were talking before the show and our own Daniel Jeremiah moved the sticks on Twitter is uh, he's out tweeting measurements. I mean, it was, as I was saying, uh, it's the Super Bowl for hand size Twitter. Everybody's getting fired up uh, about hand measurements and that sort of thing. And uh, we're going to have uh, large men running 40 yards in spandex very soon. So that's the thing that uh, we'll be paying attention to over the weekend. But we will talk about the combine. We'll do some hype trainer smoke screen, uh, a little bit of what we know. It's kind of things we are looking for at the combine. I think once this is all done, we can sort of dive into some guys individually. Uh, we're going to reach out to our pal Bucky Brooks and see if he wants to come on and kind of give us a rundown of uh, what he saw, who he likes, uh, who he thinks maybe we should avoid. Uh, a little bit, though. We'll try to get him on in the coming weeks after that. Um, but let's get started with a little bit of news. A couple of headlines of notes since we last spoke to you. The Cincinnati Bengals plan to use the franchise tag on T. Higgins. I don't know that it's a major surprise. I mean, I, I thought we were maybe hoping he would get to test the waters and see if he could find a new spot. But it appears that his new spot will be his old spot back in Cincinnati. I went over to underdog and looked at his ADP. It is currently wide receiver 28. He is sandwiched between Cooper Cup and Amari Cooper. Florio, are you cool with that right now? I'm cool with T. Higgins going there. Uh, I'm not cool with those other names, though. Like, <laughs> like me either. Man. What, what does Amari <laughs> Cooper have to do, man? Last year in a season where his starting quarterback played six games and then he had three other quarterbacks throwing him the ball, he averaged more points per game than like Chris Olave, Devonta Smith, Calvin Ridley, uh, who I'm sure are all going ahead of him in these drafts. So, And Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup. Like I understand last year was kind of a down year, but 
he he could still finish as a top five fantasy wide receiver, I think. And if you want to say, well, he has Puka Nakua now to deal with, T. Higgins has Jamar Chase to deal with, uh, <laughs> who is going to be a target vacuum. So uh, I'm I'm okay with. I feel like any of these three names actually could go a few spots higher, and I'd have no issue with it at all. But yeah, to me, the bigger takeaway was like, why? Especially Amari Cooper, man. Like, what does he have to do to get some respect? I'm, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, the disrespect is I don't, crazy. Well, it is. And I, I'm looking, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, right? So Amari Cooper's wide receiver 29. Zay Flowers is right behind him at 30. Jaden Reed's at 31. Uh, Drake London is at 26. Keenan Allen at 25. Um, I, I mean, that's a, that's a lot to take in right there. What is going on? I, I'm, I didn't mean for this to become a, a wide receiver ADP discussion, but now that I'm here and I'm scrolling through some of these, I mean, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is at 11. Um, Nico Collins is wide receiver nine right now, which I, that's high. I've seen a lot of buzz for Nico Collins. A lot of people excited about him. You know, our friend and, and wide receiver whisperer Matt Harmon is, is you know, out saying that he thinks Nico Collins has wide receiver one potential and maybe uh, wide receiver nine feels like a reach for him right now because um, he's great i think a lot of people are living off the hype of him finally <laughs> breaking out because i'm one of those people but i'm even saying wide receiver nine is a tad bit right now it might get humbled soon as we get closer um yeah i mean i don't know i know tank dell got hurt sort of later in the year but he still exists um yeah. malik neighbors is wide receiver 23 so malik neighbors right now going five spots ahead of t higgins six spots ahead of amari cooper wow I hear, like, yeah. I hear silence. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a we, lot, though. Like, I, I feel like, you know, oh, man, we're, we're getting really excited about these rookies. And I feel like, you know, Mike hit already on the disrespect for Amari Cooper and for Cooper Cup. But T. Higgins, man, it, it looks like it's a spot right now where it looks safe because it's still the unknown. So I like a lot of the names that we're naming that I would take before T. Higgins. But it's just like a lot still needs to happen. It's still a little bit early. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you, though, Florio, that I think I think T Higgins at wide receiver 28 feels OK. Um, Cooper and Cooper and Cup, Cooper Cup, uh, feel a little <laughs> oh, bit. Nice. Feel a little, I, I'd like to tell you I was planned, but it wasn't. Um, that, those guys feel a little bit low where they are right now. I mean, look, Drake London at 26. You guys know I love Drake London. Right. But I'm a fan. Yeah. he didn't have a quarterback right now. Um I, you know, I, I saw a lot of buzz about maybe Justin Fields is going to get traded to Atlanta. But as of this moment, his quarterback is still Desmond Ritter. Yeah, that that is uh, deep right there. So, you know, I, I don't know that I take him ahead of Cup or Cooper at this point. And yeah, I, I think a lot of it is um, we're we're so early in the process that people yeah. want to flag plant and stuff and be like, like. I could pull up 80, my drafts from February when I was all over. Everyone <laughs> wants to be first on, on a guy. Um, but like even like DK Metcalf going where he's going, like no disrespect to him, but in a game less, uh, Amari Cooper scored more fantasy points. He's picked up more yards. He, he averaged over a point more per game. So like yeah, he's a clear one too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think some of it is muscle memory. I know that's something you talk a lot about, Marcus. Like, we're just mm -hmm. so accustomed to pulling this guy up the board. But yeah, I think the other part is everyone just kind of wants to be first. That's why I, ADP now is fun, but 
until after the draft, I think a lot of it, especially uh, free agency, a lot of it is guessing. Yeah, I think I think we always get there are a couple of course correction times, I think, for ADP. I think after free agency, as you mentioned, is one after the draft is another one. And I think the biggest course correction we get is honestly like mid-July, early August, when you get a lot more casual players jumping in. Yeah. Um, People who aren't who aren't sickos like us who are up to their neck in this all year long. Right. Who um, look, maybe those maybe some of those folks have kind of heard the name Malik Neighbors. Maybe they've sort of heard the name Rome Odunze, but they don't know them where it's like, I know Amari Cooper. I've had Amari Cooper on my fantasy team before. I'm drafting Amari Cooper over this kid from the University of Washington that I don't really know anything about. Like, I feel like that is the other big course correction where some of these names that maybe us nerds are really, really high on in February sort of get pulled down in ADP because a lot more casual people just aren't willing to take that shot on them early. Like, could we put Amari Cooper in that tier now, the Mike Evans and Keenan Allens, where their ADP is like disrespectfully low and they show up in the season in the top 12, top 15 conversation? I am making, making a note to myself right now as we talk about this to write something about just a list of wide receivers that I think we take for granted, right? And I think Amari Cooper's one, Mike Evans is one, Mike Evans is one, Keenan Allen is one. Uh, he's a dog. I, uh, you know, I, for years I thought Tyler Lockett was one. Lockett was yeah. last year, but but before that, <laughs> Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett was on that list of guys that was just like, I'm not drafting Tyler Lockett, and then he gives you like you know 90 catches and 1100 yards and like six or eight touchdowns. Yeah, him and Robert Woods were in that pocket. Bobby Trees, Bobby Trees was there for a while for sure, for sure. But there are guys that are just like I think we take them for granted, and I think Amari Cooper. Uh, is definitely falling into that that category right now. In that vein, I also feel like there's a lot of wide receivers that we, not us three in particular, but as a fantasy community, overhype like because the two, like Chris Olave comes to mind. Like we know that he on a different team could be amazing, but he's a wide receiver too. As long as Derek Carr is his quarterback, Drake London <laughs> is another one, and these rookies. Everyone wants to be like, well, if things break right for this guy, he could be a wide receiver one. But mm-hmm. things are not going to break right for all of them. All right. So let's 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 just play hypotheticals here. Right. Let's say the Saints decided, you know what? We've seen enough of Derek Carr. Let's go with Jameis. Let's go. Where yeah, where are we go? Where are we going? Chris Olave, then if it's Jameis. And I'm not saying this is going to you know, this is not going to put the Saints into the playoffs. Like they're not going to become some kind yeah. of contender with Jameis at quarterback. But for our own selfish, greedy fantasy purposes, what, what does this do to Chris Olave for you? Top 10. <laughs> Top 10 lock. I mean, honestly, he's going to get a chunk of his fantasy points on the long ball because we know Winston can still air it out and he's not afraid. And after after having a conversation with him in New Orleans, by the way, I told him straight to his face. I was like, one thing I do know about you, you still got that long ball. His face lit up. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, I still got that. And I'm like, oh, we need you on the field because we need Chris Olave to have these points. And I think that's where most of his points will come from. I feel like you and Jameis would have been BFFs after that. Oh, my God. I was fanning out, but I had to calm down and keep it professional. So speaking of which, we're going to talk to you because you were in New Orleans last week for the HBCU Legacy Bowl. I want to get your thoughts on that in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, that that tell me, man, Jameis. The quarterback situation makes all the difference, I think, for Chris Olave there in New Orleans. We know the talent. It's just, is there a guy that can get him the ball consistently? Other bit of news, uh, nothing has actually happened yet with any of the running backs, with Saquon Barkley in particular, but 
the Giants sort of musing that now that we've got the new salary cap numbers and they are higher than I think a lot of people anticipated, that maybe they could use the franchise tag on Saquon a second time. What? Um, <laughs> sounds like this is news to you. Yeah, uh, they, they might. You know, look, they haven't said anything definitively one way or another. But, you know, the the idea came up and they thought, you know, maybe this is not a, a crazy idea. So I think for Saquon, it sort of stinks and that this is your chance to maybe test the free agent market, see what's out there, see what's going to happen. Uh, I, I thought about the idea of Saquon to the Chargers, which seemed really, really interesting, potentially. Um, you know, I, I think somebody else, I was trying to think some uh, another team that, that somebody brought up that I'm blanking Texans. on right now. The Texans. That's it. Uh, that could be really, really interesting for Saquon. But uh, I mean, LQ, if he gets tagged, could, is he better off staying with the Giants? He's been comfortable there. He's had some decent amount of success there. Is yeah. he better sticking there than trying to learn a new offense in a new city? I don't know, man. I, I feel we- really weird about this situation because if Saquon leaves, then who's left there on that Giants offense to get anything going if you're going to stick with Daniel Jones with this contract? I mean, they don't have really big name premier players like we have the Wondell Robinsons and, you know, the rest of the guys that we want to do good. And Darren Waller needs to stay healthy. But I think the right decision here is to tag him again, as bad as that sounds, just to have some building blocks to go into this draft to basically hit this draft and hit in areas that you've been lacking for the last couple of years. But if they tag him again, it's it's 11.9 million for that tag. That, that's pretty pricey for a guy you're still unsure about. I don't think they're unsure about Saquon. I think it's just the idea of paying running backs at all that they're unsure and about. And his health. He needs to stay healthy. That That's also the factor in that as well. That's fair. Um, But you also look at this. This is not a great running back draft class. Um, No. The, the 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 guy that is the top running back in this class is a guy coming off an ACL tear. Yikes. Right. Who who may not be ready for the the start of the season. And yeah. it just that that to me says a lot about where we are in terms of this running back draft class. Like nobody's really excited about this group right now um that's a hard place to be and i think if you are look if you're the giants if you're anybody um you know why would we wait until day late day two early day three to try and take a running back to fill this gap we could just you know even even at a slightly elevated price bring back the guy that we know and have had some familiarity with uh and and get them ready but my thinking though is like because i agree i i think for fantasy purposes, there's better landing spots than the Absolutely. Giants for Saquon Barkley. But yeah. uh, he's kind of like the old school running back in a sense where he is the identity of his football team and and has been since they used the number two uh, draft pick on him back in 2018. Um, I, I also believe, because Sterling Shepard, I believe, is, is retiring. So Saquon might be the longest tenured New York Giant at this point. Um, I think what he means to the fan base and stuff matters a lot. And then when you start talking money, the fact that it's a bad draft class paired with the fact that the cap jumped like unprecedentedly high and it is a loaded free agent class that we could see these free agents get larger deals. Not look, they're not going to break the bank because they're still running backs, but they could get more than running backs gotten past years, which makes it kind of smart to franchise them. And if you're Saquon, 
at this point with the injuries and the wear and tear and stuff, it might just be better for you to stay in the environment that you know and where you are such a big deal because we've seen like, think, I know it's a little different, but like, think about Ezekiel Elliott or, or Le'Veon Bell or a lot of these running backs when they change the team that they have made their legacy with, they're, they're not rewarded the same opportunities in the new landing spots. So I think this could be a good thing for Saquon and the Giants. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in the end, it probably is the best. I would, you know, I don't know. I just, maybe because I'm so underwhelmed with the Giants offense. I just want Saquon to go somewhere where maybe he can, you know, Texans run. That's the what the streets are saying. Right? Because obviously Damian Pierce last year was not, it oh, didn't God. work out the way they wanted it to be. Devin Singletary had a decent year, but I don't think, look, I think given the choice, I don't think they want him to be their main back. I don't think that's what they were looking for. Um, Saquon in Houston would be interesting. I think Saquon with Greg Roman uh, and Justin Herbert and Jim Harbaugh in Los Angeles could be interesting. Um, but I think we're going to get Saquon in New York with Daniel Jones again. No, they need a new quarterback, man. Danny Dimes ain't it. Uh, <laughs> they're sticking yeah, with I don't, him, know what, I don't know what they're going to do. How they're going to, I mean, I don't know. Maybe That's they six try pick, to, man. This is your chance. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I, if you're going to do that, I think you trade back a couple of spots because by the time you get to six, uh, Williams, May, and, and Daniels will all be gone. Six feels too early. For any of the other guys out there, JJ, yeah, that's I'm not taking. Early. I'm not taking McCarthy. I'm not taking Knicks. I'm not taking Penix at six. Um, maybe you trade back a couple of spots. You get some assets, and then you get the quarterback you want. But at six, I just, I, you know, I think I do that. Maybe take a wide receiver. Take a receiver at six. I, I agree, but I, I think that long the Giants. Look, we all said it last year when they signed that deal. We were like, what are you doing? Like, that's a lot of money to give to Daniel Jones. But now he has a neck injury and a torn ACL on top of it. So what made him so appealing two years ago was his rushing ability. Yeah. <laughs> and that's gone now. Yeah. Uh, I, look, when they, said, when they signed that contract with Daniel Jones, they said it's, it's going to put them in football purgatory for a while. And maybe that's where they are. And then they lost 40 to nothing in the first game. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Ooh, that's rough. Um, obviously the combine going on in Indianapolis, but uh, another sort of combine of sorts happened last week down in New Orleans, the HBCU Legacy yeah. Bowl, and uh, Laquan in doing doing his actual job, not just goofing around with us here on this show. Uh, actually, a researcher for NFL Media, and you got the chance to go. I say work. I use that term advisedly because you were in New Orleans and you were hanging yeah. out with Steve Weish and Bucky Brooks and Charles Davis, and I'm sure eating <laughs> all sorts of good food. And you know, oh my god, the food! Howling, howling around with Jameis Winston and all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but you got to be down there and kind of see this thing firsthand. And I, I know, you know, I know that Bucky sort of wrote a recap. I think Charles Davis wrote a recap of it. But for you, from what you saw. Anybody that really stood out to you uh, that past week in New Orleans? Like the headlines were the quarterbacks, man. I mean, Davius Richards, Jeremy Musa, these guys were like the headlines of the entire week just to see them in the combine, see them practice and stuff like that. But there was one guy on defense that just kept showing up. I mean, breaking up passes. Javion Morton from Morgan State, man. Like I got a chance to like really rap with him after the third day of practice. And I'm like, man, yo. You're explosive. Like he's just a simple guy that just knows football. And he kind of just like ran the routes for a lot of the wide receivers out there when he was picking them off and breaking them up. So I can really see him. Javion Morton, man, from Morgan State, I can see him end up in a camp somewhere, you know, just 
just absorbing and getting better at his craft. But he was one of the defensive backs that just kind of popped off for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw. Da- I know Davis Richard was was a name that popped out a lot. Uh, you know, I know he got hurt early in that yeah, game. Yeah, first quarter, man. Um, bummer. It appears that it doesn't get isn't anything serious. So that's sort of some good news there. But these are interesting names because, as you mentioned, there aren't these aren't a lot of names that we're going to hear. You know, maybe the first couple of days of the draft, if anything, you hear them maybe day three or a lot of them sign as free agents. But, um, you know, the HBCUs have a long history of putting really quality talent into the league. Yeah. Um, and there's a better than even chance that some of these names that you saw this weekend, uh, you know, a couple of them are going to stick and a couple of them are going to become playmakers in the NFL. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a very, very cool experience, though, for you. Did you enjoy it down there? I enjoyed it down there, man. I mean, I got to say the vibes, the food, the the street music, the street art, the art out there is just amazing, man. Like I've seen so many like pieces that I didn't even know you can make pieces out of. Like I've seen a guitar <laughs> made out of jewelry, broken Was bottles. Was this your first trip to New Orleans? Yes, I was really um, just mind blown. Like it was crazy. <laughs> did you think it was dark? It was dark because <laughs> I did I, get I, there. I, I say that so in in the backstory here. Uh, once upon a time, this past season, uh, Florio and I and several others were in the green room before a show, and Steve Smith Junior. Steve Smith Senior. Steve Smith Senior. Uh, was in there talking to us, and he was talking about how he feels about certain cities and the aesthetic of which. Um, and his his review of New Orleans was that it was dark. Yeah, not like not dark, like, you know, emotionally, just like physically dark, like there wasn't enough lighting in the snow. <laughs> like the sun doesn't so work point. there. <laughs> I get out the hotel. I'm like, I'm going to walk to this Walgreens to go get a charger. And I'm like, I am not going tonight, actually, because there's not <laughs> enough light down that road to go there. So I'm good. Yeah, that was uh, that. I will always never I think of New Orleans now. I think of Steve Smith Sr. Uh, and him telling me that uh, New dark. Orleans is dark. That's it. Uh, other than that, I enjoy. I love this here. Real Norris, I love your city. I have no complaints with your city. I've been there many times. I have had a good time. I love New Orleans. Um, take it up with Steve Smith Sr. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. We're going to start talking about the combine. Little hype train or smoke screen based on some coaches quotes from the past few days. That's coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you so yes, everybody talks about the combine in terms of it being the you know the pejorative term, the underwear Olympics, guys uh, in spandex running, jumping, lifting, all that sort of thing. But the other part of the combine, which maybe is even more enlightening, are the interviews, the press conferences that the coaches and players have. Uh, the week started with the coaches of the 32 teams, or at least the ones who were there, uh, standing in front of microphones, doing some interviews, getting quotes. And so I pulled some of these. Because, I mean, look, this is prime time for coach speak, right? This is when everybody has high hopes. Everybody's excited about the year to come. We got big plans for all the things we're going to do on the field. Um, so I decided we should play a little hype trainer smokescreen on some of these. So I pulled four quotes that I saw come across my uh, my Twitter feed. 
and I'll get you guys' thoughts on how much you are buying into them. So, uh, Floyd, I'll start with you on this one. Dan Campbell says, Jamison Williams, quote, going to push to be a full-time starter. I know that you are, I won't say you're a Jamison Williams stand, but you believe in him, and you think there's still an opportunity for him to, to come out and be a playmaker. So when you hear that from Dan Campbell, hype train or smoke screen? Hype train all the way, baby. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted this out when, when I saw Campbell say this. Like, I will never quit Jameson. As long as Jameson Williams has that Jameson Williams speed, it is going to be hard for me to quit him, especially like I loved him when he was coming out of college through and, and he had a weird draft process because he had the torn ACL. And then it, like it's been a really weird two years for Jamison Williams, if you look at it, because the first year, the ACL injury in college, when he comes back in the NFL, they they barely let him play at the end of that year. He was just kind of running streaks down the field. Then coming into year two, we're all excited about him. Uh, the gambling suspension. Then he hurts, I believe, his hamstring in the preseason. Not able to practice or rehab with the team. Comes back. And he was kind of used in a similar way where they were just like, there was packages for Jamison Williams. And and they were trying to get him the ball either 40 yards downfield or behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> right, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> but in the playoffs and late in the year, I do believe we started to see that change. They had him running like come like actual routes he was running and comeback routes and stuff like that. Uh, and he was able, we know he's a weapon with the ball in his hands. He's a weapon uh, downfield. So the fact that Dan Campbell, who I do believe is the most trustworthy coach in the NFL, when he speaks, I think we could listen to a pretty high degree. Yeah. Um, paired with the fact that Josh Reynolds is a free agent now and we could see Jamison Williams playing more two wide receiver sets I'm never going to quit him. That being said, it's a very much for fantasy. It depends on what the price is. Like if he's still going as like a fifth, sixth round pick next year, I'll probably be out, but I don't anticipate that. I think we're going to get a bigger discount than we've ever gotten on Jamison Williams. And in what could be his first normal NFL off season and season for the record, he is currently wide receiver 47. Um, just after Jacoby Myers, just ahead of Josh Downs. Oh, all day. All right. Yeah, that's free. Um, here's the thing. I, I am buying that he's going to push to be a full-time starter. I believe that he's going to try really hard to be a full-time starter. I do think, as you mentioned, Josh Reynolds potentially not being there helps things a lot. I just worry, are there going to be enough targets when you know Amon Ross St. Brown is going to occupy a lot of them? Um, Sam Laporta is going to get a lot of them. You still have to somehow get the ball to, uh, to Jameer Gibbs. Um, you know, you have to get it to David Montgomery. I just wonder, will he be anything more than a downfield threat or behind the line of scrimmage threat? But I do think in terms of like him pushing to be a full-time starter, absolutely hype train. Um, yeah. Production, yeah. But at, you know what? But at wide receiver 47, I'll take the shot. Yeah. Take the shot. Especially in best ball. Especially in best ball. Oh, absolutely in best ball. 100%. Uh, all right, Laquan. Uh, John Harbaugh says, quote, the ball is going to get to Rashad Bateman a lot more next year. This sort of dovetails to me in terms of the Ravens every single year telling us they want to throw the football more. Mm-hmm. Uh, hype trainer <laughs> smokes. <laughs> I feel like I know where you're going with this. Hype trainer smoke screen. 
<laughs> this is a smoke screen, a Batman wow. smoke screen right in your face, man. There's no <laughs> way you're going to fool me again because obviously the target share is already low to begin with. When you have Mark Andrews, you have Zay Flowers. I mean, Bateman, he can be dust on somebody else's bench, not mine. I just feel like <laughs> I'm kind of over the wow. Rashad Bateman project. <laughs> but like, look at their wide receivers, right? I mean, like, it's Rashad Bateman. I mean, look, Odell Beckham Jr. is, you talk about dust. I mean, OBJ was was on the side of a milk carton in the postseason. Um, yeah, he was. I, I don't know. I mean, who, who else? A healthy Mark Andrews? Sure. He's going to get the ball. Who else do they throw the football to on a consistent basis? Yo no sé, Papa. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, Zay, sure, Zay Flowers. I mean, but like, there's not a lot of places to go with the ball right now. There's so many question marks on on this Ravens offense, like more than that, I actually anticipate. I mean, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both free agents and J.K.'s probably yeah. done. S- you know, sadly, he, yeah, sadly, I think yeah. it, it may be into the road for J.K. Dobbins. It's, it's unfortunate. We have not seen this breakout that we've been waiting for. I just can't just hold on anymore. I, I literally cannot like my stomach cannot take it right now. Wow. The, the thing is, like, all of this stuff that we said, we could have said this, past, like, their number one target was a rookie wide receiver. Mark Andrews got hurt and missed a bunch of time. Uh, Odell kind of was dust for a lot of this year, and yet Rashad Bateman still had fewer yards than Nelson Aguilar and Isaiah Likely. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is nasty work. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let everyone else who's a believer in him take him. I have no interest. Good riddance. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So we're going smoke screen. I want to believe. I'm, 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 I'm getting my Fox Mulder on, man. I want Do to believe. believe in That's magic. It. His ADP uh, has to be like wide receiver 60-something. Uh, <laughs> no, he got to be in the 60s. Let's see. We can find ourselves uh, uh, scrolling, scrolling. Keep scrolling. scrolling. <laughs> I was about to say, it's no, not going to take two scrolls. No, I feel like I, feel like I scrolled. Too. Oh, no, there he is. Uh, Rashad Bateman is wide receiver 86. Wow. Uh, just, after, just after Jonathan Mingo. Anti. Yeah, at that point, if you want to believe in him, sure. <laughs> all right i mean i saw a lot of people getting excited about it i don't know that i i, I want to check back in like a week or two and see if that adp it's has like come up at all fuel the machine just to see the machine explode because that's what's gone <laughs> that's literally what it is oh, apparently we are the rashad bateman hater show of record I, it's, uh, <laughs> that's all i can tell uh all right i i set this one up specifically for you florio um Falcons offensive coordinator Zach Robinson said Kyle Pitts will be a key part of Atlanta's passing attack. Mm. I just want to throw this out because it's like, I know that you guys both fall on the opposite ends of the Kyle Pitts spectrum here, right? Like, I know that that Florio has great love for him. I know that, uh, you know, that Laquan would rather stick himself in the ear with a sharp pencil before <laughs> drafting Kyle Pitts again. So I'll put this out here first to you, Florio. Uh, Zach Robinson says he's going to be a key part of the passing attack. I've seen a lot of people saying that he's fully healthy, that maybe we didn't know the extent of his knee injury from a couple of years ago. Uh, is it full speed ahead? Are you, and you're going to get a discount. I, cause people are, are tired of it. Like, are you full speed ahead still on Kyle Pitts? Yes. 
Um, in our mock draft, I, I got him in like the eighth round or something. And I believe like Michelle that. Majuk, our researcher, made fun of you for that. I think she mocked you for that. Oh, did she? <laughs> I think I didn't I think even she, see that. I think she took a shot at you for doing that. Yes, if I if I recall correctly. <laughs> oh well, because Kyle Pitts is going to be awesome. Uh, like like we know Kyle Pitts can play. Like his rookie year, I think proved everything that we wanted to see. It's one of the uh, before Sam Laporta, it was the best rookie recent rookie tight end season in in record. Uh, and it was still top five all time in fantasy points scored by a rookie. Then the weirdness happened in his sophomore year with Arthur Smith uh, and last year with, with Johnu Smith. But I, I believe it's a little bit of all of it. I, I think. And look, I know this is a second straight offseason. I'm saying it. The quarterback play cannot get any worse, right? Like Marcus <laughs> Mariota was the worst quarterback this past year. The Falcons quarterbacks this uh, two years ago, this past season, they were awful. Um Johnu Smith is officially gone. We have an offensive coordinator that I think we could trust in Zach Robinson because there's a history of success with coordinators who have worked under Sean McVay. Um, and then I, I believe that Kyle Pitts was more injured than we were led on to believe. I, I remember back to August in training camp when uh, he had a big knee brace on and was kind of limping and people reports came out that he might not be healthy for the first few weeks of the season. And we all kind of were like, no, he's going to be out there. But he he never and they were using him a little bit downfield less. It just I, to me, it felt like the last two years. And I, and I know people are probably sick of me saying this, like it worst case scenario for Kyle Pitts. So you I need to see the quarterback upgrade. And it depends. Like if, it's going to be a big difference if Justin Fields is the quarterback versus say, like J.J. McCarthy or something like that. But uh, I, I am still a believer in Kyle Pitts. And like you said, Marcus, it's going to be the cheapest Probably he's ever been because even as a rookie, people were hyping him up as a top five tight end. He is tight end 10 right now between between David Njoku and Jake Ferguson. Um, All right. So, Laquan, counterpoint. (laughs) Listen, is it too late to buy a ticket? Because I'm hyping. I'm hype training this up, man. I am on the Kyle Pitts hype train just based on some of the points that Florio was hitting on. You got Zach Robinson coming from the Rams. I called them an Atlanta Rams, by the way, because we got all the Rams personnel (laughs) over there. But Zach Robinson, he wasn't calling the plays over there, but it was his job to instill the offense and make sure people understood what was going on and that it was just going to be something, you know, that Sean McVay just didn't have to monitor too much. Like Zach Robinson was the perfect guy for this offense last season. Now he's going to Atlanta to where he gets to put his little spin on the offense. They need to find a quarterback. That's my only hesitation. But this morning, this very morning on an underdog draft, I got Kyle Pitts in the eighth round. That is a perfect place to get him right now because of people like me last season that was hating on him. Let's keep the hate going, man. Let's get him in the 10th round. And then you just wreak all the benefits because they mean business, man. I believe everything that they're saying because the first order of business was get the distraction out of the building. And that was John New Smith, man. John New Smith is a great mm. tight end. He's a good tight end. That wasn't the guy to bring in to try to compete with or put the fire under Kyle Pitts' butt because John New Smith can actually play. So it was just like the indication of them getting him out of there, the first order of business before they even get a quarterback was like, get this guy out of here. We need him out of here. We need Kyle Pitts to be the focal point in this offense. I am on the hype train officially for Kyle Pitts. Wow. Now I'm now I'm gonna imagine that Laquan's gonna spend the he's gonna spend the offseason just like trashing him just to like bring the ADP I down might be. so he could try to <laughs> catch, catch the timeline. Don't, I might be doing some shell here though. <laughs> yeah. Man, oh, listen, man. I'm on it, man. I, I'm all here for it, man. Flory, we <laughs> good right. this year. Tag teaming it up. Look, 
I I believe, right? Like I still believe. I've never fully believed. I got frustrated. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I got really frustrated, and I stopped trying to like hype him midway through the year. But I still believe in the talent. I still, hopefully, the, I'm believing that the situation is going to be better. I will also say that I don't think I'm going to have a lot of him, probably because. I may have drafted a tight end by then. I still have sort of leaned into the, I want to get a guy on the earlier side because I just don't want that. Ha- but I'm looking, I'm sitting here looking at the tight ends, right? La- Laporte is going to go early. He's number one. Kelsey's at two. Right now, Trey McBride is at three. Andrew's at four. So it, it may be a year that I wait a little bit longer. So maybe I'll end up yeah, waiting on I'm, the tight end was cool. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm, I'm thinking through this out loud here. So maybe I'll end up having more Kyle Pitts than, than maybe I anticipated uh, at this hey, point. Hey, You could do like <laughs> I did in the mock and pair him with Dalton Kincaid in the eighth and ninth round. And then you get two upside shots. Interesting. I like spicy. that. That's spicy. I'm always a double tap tight end kind of guy. I like that. Uh, all right. Last, last one here. Uh, this one from Sean Payton. Uh, I'll send this to you. Laquan, uh, Laquan oh, first. God. The only thing that slowed down Marvin Mims jr. Was quote us, which again, feels like everything that every fantasy analyst said all year last year. Like, why don't you put this guy on the field more? And like Sean McVay or Sean Payton basically was like, Hey, maybe we should have put this guy on the field more. Um, are you buying it? Hype train or smoke screen? Are you buying into this? Smoke screen, man, unfortunately, because I just don't see it happening immediately. I think we're slowly but gradually throughout the year going to see Marvin Mins get more developed. But right now, there's still a question at the quarterback position for him as well. So it's like the dude runs a 4-3. He is a deep threat. We saw him have flashes and you could put him on special teams. He can make plays there, whatever. Just get this dude on the field because he can make the plays, man. Like, I honestly don't understand what was holding him back from just sprinkling him in, in a couple of plays, like just, just have him there just to be a decoy or something, but it just wasn't happening. So it's a smoke screen. I need to see it to believe it. I'm buying it. I don't know about you, Florio. I'm buying it because I don't know that Cortland Sutton's coming back. Um, I think they would like to move on from Jerry Judy. I don't know that it's going to be possible, but I don't know that they're in love with Jerry Judy. Uh, I mean, maybe they draft somebody, maybe they try to add somebody in free agency, but I, I think there's going to be a, a large opening for Marvin Mims to get on the field next year and make some plays. Um, I think that's the reason I'm buying into it, Mike. Not, not only because I believe Sean Payton, I think he's a master at obfuscation, but I think just, I think the roster situation will allow itself for Marvin Mims to get on the field next year. Yeah, I I think so as well. Um, and I think back to like week four, week five, when uh, on Fantasy Live, I was like calling out Sean Payton. Like you talk about bad <laughs> coaching jobs. The guy leading the league in yards per route ran can't see the field on your team uh, that is searching for wide receiver help. But I have questions about Marvin Mims game. Like, can he can he be more than just a downfield threat? Um, can can he run a full route tree stuff like that? But I it might not matter. Like if he's able to see the field as, as much as we're anticipating, at least me and you, Marcus, I like one big play a week is all he kind of needs. And the thing I'm thinking is like, even if he can't be that, that true wide receiver one for you, use him how the chiefs use MVS, right? Like, like Laquan was saying, as a decoy, (laughs) use the MVS. (laughs) He's he's gone. (laughs) He gone. like he's out there so much just because he opens stuff up short term because you have to worry about him burning your secondary. So 
Mims could at least play that role. And if you throw a couple of long balls a game to him, like I, I don't see why he can't be productive. But I think for him to be uh, like a weekly, every you start him weekly in fantasy option, he probably needs to become a little bit of a better route runner. I think that's fair. Um, they also have a similar situation where they've got to figure out their quarterback scenario too. Um, you know, they they obviously don't want Russ, but they also can't figure out how to move on from Russ just yet. Yeah, I'm about to say uh, that's a, that's a nasty situation. That's going to be an ugly, ugly separation. I don't know how that's going to go down, but it's it's apparent that the two sides are trying to set up a a conscious uncoupling, um, but don't really know how to do it. So we'll see. But I, I, I just think that circumstances are going to force Marvin Mims to be on the field a lot more next year. I hope what I he really does with hope. that, you know, we can we can just to say Sean time. Payton doesn't pull uh, uh, what he did last year and bring in a bunch of Saints players. I mean, who knows? I mean, Taysom Hill's going to be a free agent. So, you know, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you can run all those same shenanigans in Denver with Taysom Hill. Wouldn't be a Throw major the surprise. Ball. There. He's going to be over there, be the quarterback, the wide receiver, the tight end, the running back. Yeah, you know, first I base, Bugs Bunny, left field, Bugs Bunny, shortstop, Bugs Bunny. It's going to be like that with Taysom <laughs> Hill. Anyway, uh, I'll take one more break. Come back. We're going to dive into the combine on the field. Uh, some of the things that maybe we are looking out for and what we expect from this weekend in Indianapolis. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So they are all hanging out at Lucas Oil Stadium there in Indianapolis. And there are guys that are lifting weights and they are running and jumping and doing all sorts of things. And uh, what is basically a job interview for the upcoming NFL draft. Um, so we're going to dive into some of the things we're expecting or looking out for coming up this weekend. Here are a couple of things that we do know early on. Uh, two of the top quarterback prospects in Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels aren't going to throw at the combine. Not really a surprise. That has kind of been the way of things with uh, the high level quarterbacks lately. Uh, they are waiting for their pro day to do some things for a couple of the top wide receiver prospects, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors. Uh, they are not expected to work out. They are going to be in Indianapolis. I believe they're going to go through the interview process and all those other things, um, but not going to work out. I mean, I think if you are one or both of those guys, you were pretty much locked into being a top 10 pick. Um, there's probably more risk than reward to uh, working out at the combine. So those guys are not going to do that. So, um, so simple question. I mean, Florio, what sorts of things do you look for from players at the combine? Um, I think the combine is, and I know people listening to this probably like, I think it's a little overrated. Um, I think it's cool to see them out there and, and running and, and stuff like that. But at the same point in time, like to me, I think so much of what makes the combine special is what happens that we don't see on TV, like like talking to the teams and the interview process and all of that. It kind of is like the, win the, the football's version of the winter meetings where like everyone is in one place. And so a lot happens because you're talking and stuff like that. But I mean... 
I'm not the kind of person that's going to be sitting there like he ran a, a four, four, a four, five, one and not a four, four, nine. I'm not, like, no, like to me that I understand if you have models and stuff like that, that works. And the next gen stats uses all of it to make like one big grade. I love that tool. So I get excited when that happens with the combine. But the only thing I think that happens largely is, uh, Players can hurt their value more than anything. Like I, I think back to a Elijah Holyfield all the time that he was like <laughs> wow. a running back that was pretty highly viewed, and then he mm-hmm. ran a four seven, and he never sniffed the NFL. But <laughs> for the most part, like I understand why Caleb and Daniels and Marvin Harrison aren't working out because what what do these guys have to gain right now? Like their tape speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, to that point, Laquan and and. Florio touched on something that I've been kind of feeling the last couple of days. I'm not going to say that the combine is it's not irrelevant, right? Because there are definitely guys from smaller schools that maybe don't get as much of attention or uh, guys that are kind of, you know, fringe draft guys who can maybe move up a round or two. So there's some still some value for a lot of players here. But in an age now where I mean, one, it seems like nearly every college football game is on television. Um, with social media and all these different platforms, you can watch a guy's tape. You can scout pretty much anybody. Look, we can scout. I mean, the three of us can scout anybody pretty much from our homes at this point, right? Yeah. We can. I'm not saying that you know my tape watching skills are on the level of you know Daniel Jeremiah or a high level scout or anybody like that. But we can watch all these guys. Right, we got to a point where the the combine generally has lost a lot of its luster, at least when it comes to the on field dra- uh, drills. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of watch it just to see the guys that I go into combine, like really excited about just to see where they weigh in, if they gain some weight, especially for a running back or if there's a wide receiver that runs like a four, three or four, four, whatever the case may be like, oh, this guy's quick. You know, some of the like lower level guys that aren't getting talked up enough. Like I really don't watch the combine for guys that are just already, you know, top 10 picks or like the solid guys. It's the guys that, you know, fall under the radar. Like, for example, Cooper Cup, I was just watching his combine drills like nobody was really like excited about him. And then he's making history, you know, a couple seasons later. Like those are the guys that, you know, I really look for the guys that aren't really being talked about enough. And, you know, they kind of show up and show out and then kind of rises their fantasy stock and kind of rises their draft stock as well. Well, I think it's for me that the thing at the combine is I tend to sort of wait till after the fact and see the guys who maybe had a good workout that maybe I didn't watch or didn't know so much about before. And then it's like, look, I I watch the combine the same way I watch the Oscars, right? Like it tells me what I need to go back and watch that maybe I missed earlier, right? Movie so like, of the year, never heard of it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, hey man, I, this movie won a whole lot of awards. I didn't see it. Maybe I'll, you know, sh- you know, pay the four bucks or whatever to stream it or something like that. Yeah. You know, like that's sort of how I look at the combine. It's like the guys who have a big weekend that maybe I didn't pay a lot of attention to or hadn't really heard much about. Those are the guys I go back and watch. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I think, you know, and, and we talk about this a lot, Mike, that um, so much has to do with landing spots for these guys, that the athleticism, the athleticism is one thing. And it's it's great when a dude has a, a great 40 time. Look, I remember look, I remember when uh, DK Metcalf had a bad shuttle run and people were like, oh, my God, what's this guy going to do in the NFL? Like he needs to go take some yoga classes because he's got tight hips or whatever. Um, DK Metcalf has been just fine. Yeah. <laughs> the NFL. He's been just fine at this point. Uh, so, yeah, um, I use it like you do, Marcus. But I also think it could be a trap in some senses, because after oh, yes. Marvin Mims last year ran a four three, he's now on everyone's radar and he's getting pulled up the board. And that 
didn't work out at all for fantasy purposes. So uh, I'm with like I I think I agree with both of you. Like it, I use it. Uh, I, I, it's a tool to use and, and to see who stands out and more so to be like, oh, maybe I overlooked this person. And like a couple years ago, that's, that's how I was like, I was pretty high on like Khalil Shakir coming out his year or, or Calvin Austin. That one didn't work out, but like those are players that I was like, okay, I didn't know these guys before the combine. Now I'm watching them. I like them, but more than that is exactly what you said. Like landing spot opportunity. All of that greatly matters way more. Two words, Andy Isabella. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Andy Isabella. That's a dig. That's it. <laughs> uh, all right. And so, I mean, look, all that being said, we know that a lot of people still get hyped on the combine. A lot of people, as you mentioned, Florio, have their models. Uh, they can plug in the numbers and they can sort of make evaluations. And there are a lot of us sickos who are doing drafts, doing mocks, doing real drafts. A lot of the dynasty folks have already tapped. I mean, they tapped in pretty much once the regular season ended. Um, yeah. I mean, Laquan, how much do you expect anybody to move in dynasty ranks post combine? Do you think we're going to see a lot of movement there? Uh, probably not. not I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't see a ton, not a ton of movement from guys that, you know, that we already know about. But more or less, it, it, it's going to be what it is. Like there might be some movement for some guys in dynasty, like some of the guys that had question marks. But more or less, we're, we're going to get what we got. And then until draft day in April, that's when stuff starts really getting crazy moved around. Yeah, uh, probably right. Um, last thing, uh, and I'll ask both of you guys, start with you, Florio. Anybody in particular, you know, like I, I know you're not necessarily super dialed in or plugged in, but is there anybody that maybe you just got to kind of keep an eye out and see what they do at the at the Combine this week? For me, it's it's the wide receivers after the big three. Like we, we all know in whichever order you want to put them in, like, Harrison, Neighbors, Odunze seem like the locked and loaded top three in this class, but I do think there's a lot of talent after. So, like, Brian Thomas Jr., Troy Franklin, McConkey, uh, there, there's Walker, there's Coleman, there's Mitchell, there's uh, a, a, like a few slot guys that I've been looking into a bit that I like. So, to me, I want to see what these secondary receivers do because I, I do think there's going to be a ton of wide receivers in the first two rounds this year, and how those guys could separate themselves and stuff. But even more than that, like I look forward to hearing what we don't see. Like what, like Daniel Jeremiah next week is going to come back and be like, Oh, this player really impressed teams and this team and other sources and stuff like that. So to me, I think that information that comes out of the combine uh, is almost just as useful as what these guys are, are measuring on the field. Yeah. Uh, anybody you're looking out for LQ? Yeah, I mean, I was going to hit on the wide receivers, too. I mean, Javon Baker from UCF. I mean, mm-hmm. Malachi Corley. I mean, these are guys that I hope test well and kind of raises their draft stock so they can get in a position because I think these guys could be difference makers on day one if they get in a team camp that needs a secondary wide receiver. And I really feel like there's a ton of teams out there that needs a wide receiver, too, that can just produce. I mean, like Malachi, this guy's the yak yard. I mean, he's a slot wide receiver, a reliable target, and he makes some really difficult catches what team is not going to be looking for a guy like that that can produce on day one and he's like lower in the list of all the big you know top 10 top seven you know 
wide receiver prospects that are being talked about. So the, the, the underdogs like Javon Baker or even Xavier Worthy, he's up there somewhat in the top 10 of guys getting talked about. He's a speedster. So there's a ton, a ton of guys that are outside the big, the big names. I mean, running back wise, I'm looking at Bucky Irvin. I mean, he's going to be like a PPR guy. I just need him to put on a little bit more weight and hopefully in the combine, he shows up at 200, 205 or whatever. So just he's a guy that can really, really help out a passing game if they're looking for a running back that can keep his head on the swivel, get in open space and be explosive. Yeah, there are a couple of names that, that I, I have um, in mind. One is J.J. McCarthy, just because he's become yeah. kind of a, an interesting talking point I Talk think, in the, the last week. So he really has been. Um, you know, the, the buzz early on was that NFL teams liked him a lot more than you know, fans and scouts seem yeah. to. Um, so like, this is a chance to go out and, and sort of perform a little bit. Now, granted, look, I think in the end, it pays to go back to the tape to watch what he did at Michigan. But, you know, the 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 charge leveled against him has been that he didn't necessarily have to do a ton because he had so much talent around him on that Michigan team. So this is a chance to kind of show out a little bit to see what he can do. I think same sort of for Michael Penix, although Penix sort of has the, you know, He's got the age issue working against him. The fact that he spent so many years in college, he had a number of injury issues. Um, yeah. he, he can't, unfortunately, turn back the clock on some of those things. But I do want to just see him perform. Uh, and then part of me being a little bit of a homer here, I, I want to see Marshawn Lloyd, who mm, was yeah. a guy that, I mean, obviously, I, I watched a lot of USC football, but he was a guy that I loved that I, I felt like sometimes they went away from him when they probably should have given him the ball more. Like it felt there were times that Lincoln Riley really was out to try and win Caleb Williams and other Heisman, or sometimes just put too much on Caleb's plate when maybe they should have gone with Marshawn Lloyd a little bit. I think he's a talented back who maybe didn't get as many opportunities as he probably should have in the course of that offense. Um, so I just want to see what he tests like. I just want to see how athletic he is. I've seen him. I like him. I just want to see what he does uh, sort of on this stage because again, uh, I think he's talented, but also fight on because I'm a homer. Um, so <laughs> I think Bo Nix is an interesting one. Too. He's another one too. Uh, yeah, yeah. he he wasn't asked to do a whole bunch in college, but he has the physical tools. Which is funny. I I sort of heard people talk that maybe the Rams go out and draft oh, Bo Nix. Um, but I laugh because. The Rams already drafted Stetson Bennett and Bo Nix is sort of Stetson Bennett 2.0. Another guy who's like already old and was in college for like 11 years. So why would, and like the Rams, like is Stetson Bennett ever going to, he's never going to play. Probably not. I mean, there's been no update. That's the quote from Sean McVay as of like last week. There's no update and it it needs to be an update. (laughs) He's just off in the void somewhere, right? He's in limbo somewhere. Bo Nix makes so much sense because I don't know if you guys remember last August when Matthew Stafford was like, this team is too young. I'm having trouble connecting with them. (laughs) He'll be the youngest guy in the (laughs) football. Oh, man. man. Um, I'm not a fan of that. But all all jokes aside, I am curious to see uh, to see Bo Nix perform. Uh, He's he's 24 years old. He just turned uh, he just turned 24 a couple days ago. So, um, yeah, the rookie contract till he's 30. The clock is ticking on Bo (laughs) Nix. That's young man. He's still under his mom's insurance, probably. Yeah, at least for another year. He is (laughs) another year. So he is. Absolutely. Uh, so, all right, there you go. That's uh, sort of our take on the combine. Next week, we'll come back. 
Uh, and we will sort of try to break down what uh, we saw, what we learned, all that sort of stuff. And then what other fun, good things uh, we can laugh and poke about uh, next week after the combine is over. So that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy your extra day here in 2024, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.